What Are You Made Of? It's Mike C-Rock. Welcome to What Are You Made Of? Every episode of this podcast is centered around building ourselves and the people in our lives to reach our full potential. I hope that the experiences and stories of success from these conversations can give you rocket fuel to reach new heights and help you answer the question, What Are You Made Of? What Are You Made Of? I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. And subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Made Of with your boy, the unstoppable Mike C-Rock. I am in the house today with my man, Kevin Thompson. He's a co-founder of the Tribe for Leaders and creates positive change on a global scale by facilitating valuable connections between influential entrepreneurs, founders, and CEOs who are making a major impact in our world. Because he's such a steward of relationships, he's able to cut through all the red tape, eliminate rejection, and guarantee a red carpet reception for you. My man, Kevin, what's happening, man? Man, great to see you again, Mike. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, I, I uh, I'm excited to have you on. Um, I know we had a call, you know, a Zoom call before, but yeah. I, I wasn't able to share the audience with you, Kevin. So I want to share the audience with who Kevin Thompson is, and 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 we always start the show by the same way. This question right here: What are you made of, Kevin? I'll tell you. You know, and and you and I kind of touched on this right before you hit the record button. And it's really interesting as we, we look back, you know, and, and you were saying, you know, Kevin, I, I look back and see all, you know, uh, where I've come from. And what's so funny is just this morning, last night, I was going through some old photos. Now, I'm not talking digital photos like on our phones. I'm talking print photos, the old ones. <laughs> yeah. And I found this photo of me and Joe Paz. Do you know Joe by chance, Mike? Yeah. I don't know if we know each other. I don't know if I've met him yet, but I know of him. Yeah. Okay. So I found this photo from me and Joe that was taken in April of 2000. So 22 years ago. And, you know, I am made of the relationships that I've built in my life with so many amazing people, entrepreneurs, founders, CEOs, and how I've been able to serve them and how they've been able to serve me. And I'll tell you, with everything going on in our world right now, Mike, relationships are more valuable, more important, more critical now than ever. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. So Kevin, take us back. Like, Where did you grow up? So I grew up, I, I live today about 10 minutes from where I grew up. I grew up in uh, Marysville, Washington, uh, up about 40 miles north of Seattle. After I graduated high school, my father passed away at the end of my 10th grade year. And, and uh, after I graduated high school, I, college was off the table. I joined the Army for four, four years, then went in uh, after that, fished in Alaska for seven years. And then in 95, I uh, started my very first business, a cleaning and restoration company. So let's go back for a second here, because you lost your father in 10th grade. So that's a, yeah. it's an impressionable time. You know, obviously before that, it's more impressionable. But as you grow older, like, how did you handle that? Like, were you and your father close? Yeah, we were close, Mike. We were really close. Um, yeah, he passed away when I was 16 years old. He, uh, he got diagnosed with cancer at the beginning of my ninth grade year. And he passed away at the end of my 10th grade year. And uh, I'll tell you what, as, as a kid of, you know, 14, 15 years old, 
watching your dad deteriorate like that, that was hard. That was really hard. <laughs> and I did, there was a lot of emotional time spent with my dad before he passed away. And it's because it's like, I, I, we, we, we knew it was coming, especially in the last, say, five, six months, we knew it was coming. And uh, I, I watched my dad, his, uh, he just, uh, he, he couldn't, he couldn't think straight. He couldn't, uh, you know, he, he'd, he'd call me into his room and ask me to hand him his slippers off the dresser. And there was no slippers on the dresser, stuff like that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, and so, uh, coming out of that, did you, did you feel, um, see, I talk a lot about rocket fuel. So my books back here, rocket fuel, and it's all about turning setbacks, discouragements, letdowns, loss, all that stuff, figuring out a way to make it your rocket fuel rather than your weight in your trunk, storing it in your tank. What, how are you able to use that as fuel for your future to, to attack the world in a good way? But I mean, to advance, like, did, were you able to, to to convert that somehow with his inspiration or? Yeah, it did definitely. Um, you know, what was interesting is I can still remember that Sunday morning when my mom woke me up and my brother, who's two years younger than me, and and let us know that dad had passed away. In that moment, that was like that was like uh, a weight had been lifted, Mike. Because I, we, we all watched my dad deteriorate. We all watched him be in this pain. And when he passed away, it's like all that was gone. All that was done. And he was out of his pain. And an interesting dynamic took place too. That my mom had been kind of strict on my brother and I growing up. And even to the point where my friends, they didn't necessarily like coming over that much because my mom was like just she was like that disciplinarian you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but after dad passed away something switched for her and she just lightened up man she just like something shifted and she just lightened up even so much so that my friends are like damn your mom is so cool now (laughs) and they they would i mean in my in our house the last two years that i was in high school our house was the hangout my friends were over there all the time. We had, I mean, get-togethers, and and I don't know what happened for my mom. And you know what? This is interesting, Mike, because I've never even talked about this stuff before, and, and I'd never even really considered this before until you started asking these questions. But a shift took place for her, and it impacted my brother and I's life big time, and the relationship that we had our, with our friends, and like, and now. You know, our friends felt comfortable coming over. And, and my mom and dad used to be in Amway together, and they'd done pretty well with it. And my mom, I, I got a, an audio tape later, like probably about five months later from a guy who was in my mom's Amway business and used to be my mom and dad's. But right after my dad died, she ended up speaking at this big Amway convention down in California where there was thousands of people at. And she was talking about my brother and I. And how dad had passed away and this and that. And, and this guy had this audio cassette tape of that that he shared with me. And I was just like, wow, you know what? My mom, she thinks a whole lot of me and my brother Kyle. <laughs> and I don't want to let her down. I better, I better start living up to her expectations and what she's telling all these people who I don't even know who the heck they are, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and um, I was just like, you know, I'm going to, I, 
I, I, I was getting in some trouble in high school and stuff a little bit. But after that, it kind of changed. I, I stopped. I, I changed my ways a little bit and stopped getting in trouble so much and started just kind of because I was like, you know what? I want, I want my mom to be right. I want to make her proud. I want to live mm-hmm. up to those expectations she's got. So, man, I've never even thought about this stuff before, Mike. Mm-hmm. Yep. Questions, man. Questions. They stir up some things, man. Yeah. And you know, you know, the thing about it is, is that it's amazing how our parents can program us in a good way and bad way. But the fact that she was saying those things led you on. Of course, my mom told me that I was an inspiration. I was going to be a leader when I was three or four years old. I just remember her telling me that you inspire me wow. so much, and wow. and that developed me into the person I am today, where I feel like I'm a people builder. Now, there is a there is a part of that where you have to make sure that, hey, wait a minute, is this my dream and my goal to be this? Or is, am I living strictly off of their goals and their dreams? Because then if you're in that situation, it's their, their control center that's operating you rather than your control center and your self-determinism. But there is something where you can take that. And if you align with it, man, do some wonderful things because you're, you're a great people person. So I, I bet that stems from that. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. You know, and I know when I was younger, you know, my, my dad used to always tell me, you know, Kev, the harder you work, the more successful you'll be. And uh, that was his experience. And in fact, uh, in the 60s, he worked as a commercial fisherman in Alaska. And uh, like, and like the show, like the show that we watch now, like the, what is it? What Deadliest Catch? Deadliest Catch. Yeah. Same kind know, of thing. That's what I did. In fact, wow. guys off of that show are guys I fished with back from 1988 to 95. They were, they were fishing then. And I, I know and a lot of them live around here and stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, and uh, yeah, so that's, that's the same exact stuff that I did. And, and, uh, and, and I remember that first trip on the boat kind of thinking, I was like, man, I said, like, dad, if you can see me now, I know you got to be proud because damn, this is some hard work. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's it always cold I, when you go out there. Pretty much, pretty much cold, wet, kind of pretty much miserable weather. Uh, 99.9% of the time, I do remember one day that it was just beautiful. It was it was like a lake. It was so damn flat, Mike. I've never seen anything like it before. Never seen anything like it again. But that day, the sun was out, clear blue sky, flat, calm water. And there was a pod of about six, seven whales right next to our boat, swimming around and stuff as we're fishing. I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now back to the show. And that was the one and only day I ever saw weather like that. In wow! All my seven years of fishing in Alaska. <laughs> and so, when you fish for seven years, is that something that you go just like during a season, and then you come home, yeah. or how does that work? It's, it's it's seasons, and there's and there's a lot of different fisheries, Mike. So there's you know I worked in the crab industry. I worked long lining for for gray cod and black cod. They also had like these twenty four hour uh, halibut openers that you would work on that you can work on. So. The first year that I ever went up there was January of 1988. And uh, that year, I, I got a job on the boat here in Seattle. 
And, and uh, this guy, John Waddell, took a chance on me and hired me. Uh, he, he had never hired off of the dock before. So he was a little bit nervous. In fact, he, when I got to the boat, he called me up and he's like, Kev, he's like, I've never done this before. And, uh, and I'm just hoping you don't let me down, man. And, you know, man, now that I think about this, that was kind of like the same kind of thing my mom did at that damn Amway seminar talking about her boys and how, how proud she is. And I'm like, well, damn, I better live up to that now. John Waddell, that first skipper that gave me that job, kind of did the same thing. He's like, man, I hope you don't let me down, Kevin. And it's like, I'm like, well, shit, I better not let this guy down, you know? <laughs> and so I busted my butt for John. And I, I worked on that boat with him for, and the crew for about three and a half months. And they were all getting ready to go home. Season was over. And John's like, well, what are you going to do, Kevin? And I'm like, well, I was like, if, if I could get a job doing something else, I'd, I'd like to do that and stuff. And and he's like, you know, he's like, let me call a buddy. And so right up there in the wheelhouse, he got on the radio and called a friend of his. And he's like, man, I got this guy. He wants to keep fishing. I uh, keep working up here. He's like, you need hand on your boat. He's like, he's like, I'll send him over if you need help. He's like, man, I could use some good help. And so uh, John sent me over to that guy. Uh, long story short, I stayed up in Alaska that year from January through October, 10 months. And in 1988, I was... 23 years old. And I came home with a little over 120,000 in my pocket after that 10 months. Gee, three years old. That's some damn money, man. Wow. And I was the low guy on the totem pole. Everybody else was making double what I was, you know? <laughs> so, wow. So they make that kind of money nowadays? No, you can't make that kind of money now. <laughs> no, 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 no. What did you do with the money? Did you know what you were doing with money that back then or? Well, so my whole reason that I got that job in the first place was because I wanted to get money together so I could start my own business. Cause that was what I thought. I thought, well, it takes money to do this. I got, I was like, I'm going to get a job on this boat. And so that was my whole purpose for doing that job for seven years Gotcha. Uh, was to save money to start my own business. Okay. Then you had the cleaning restoration company, right? I did. Yeah. In 1995, uh, almost lost my life on the boat and almost got thrown overboard. So I decided, okay, I'm going to finish wow. up my contract. I'm done. And uh, that's when I came home and uh, started the cleaning business. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Then how long did that go? The cleaning going business, now? I ran from 1995. Uh, actually, I started it in 96. Uh, and then I sold that business in 2004. April 19th of 04 is when I sold that. Business. And what, what, what makes you sell a company like at that point? Like what, what, were, what was going through your mind or why did it make sense to sell instead of keep going with it? So that company, uh, the first year I blew through over $300,000 and I still wasn't making a profit because I didn't have a clue what I was doing. That's when I met this guy, Joe Polish, that I mentioned. And yeah. he helped me completely transform that company. And also one of the things I did is I started this little ugly website called Get Mold Solutions as an extension of that business. And in 2003, uh, Joe was like, why don't you come down here? He put on this big annual event for the cleaning and restoration company every, companies every year. And he's like, why don't you come down here and show everybody what you're doing with the website? I got that website producing about 13000 a month in revenue for the company. And so I did. And he's, like, and he's like, and before you come down here next November, make sure to document what you do and how you do it. Put it into a course because certain percent of the people will want your help and make sure you're ready to give them that. So I did that. 
I spoke at his seminar in November of 2003, uh, did a one-hour presentation at the end of that event. Now, keep in mind, Mike, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Now, granted, it was a warm audience. Those people knew me. A lot mm-hmm. of them knew me. Uh, there was probably about 250 people there, and I made $35,000 in sales of that course. And I'm like, man, I'm that one event public- from that, that one event, one event. Yep. Joe. Yeah. Audience. Yes. And, and how much uh, did you sell the course for? Uh, nine ninety seven. Nine ninety seven. Wow, man. 35 copies at nine. And check this out. Those 35 people were also in monthly coaching with me and get this $29 a month is what I charged at that time, which I thought I was on cloud nine. I'm like, holy cow, I also got 35 people giving me $30 a month. I'm doing the math and going, that's pretty dang good. Um, we, we later realized that that was way too cheap for that. And we bumped the price up, <laughs> but, but it was a good start. And I was pretty stoked. And the, the next year we sold the cleaning and restoration business. I moved into the training company full time. And, uh, and we went on to sell over $16 million worth of that training over the next 12 years. $16 million? $16 million. For cleaning restoration off. training on how to run uh, a business. It was, no, it was more, it was a, I called the product the automatic income system. And it was how I did what I did with my website, how I created okay. uh, an informational website, built an email list, all that stuff. Okay. So that could have been used for a lot of businesses then. Okay. It was. Got it. It was used Got for it. a lot of businesses. Gotcha. Yes. And then, yeah. so what has changed since then that you really, did you, did you change anything up and then try to like, I, I guess, update it and then continue or? Yeah, we did. We updated a few times during the course of that. But the way that I built that business was through strategic partnerships. And I had a lot of other entrepreneurs who I would just like have conversations with when they'd end up, you know, I got an audience and would you do a thing with them? And we did lots right. of teleseminars way before webinars were ever a thing. And, uh, and so I did over 600 strategic partnerships in 12 years. And but what I didn't realize at the time was I was the whole time I'm setting myself up for what I do now, which is to be this connector, this conduit of trust for all these amazing entrepreneurs. And it's allowed me to, you know, make connections that help them grow their businesses, add revenue, uh, make a bigger impact in this world. And and now that's my full-time work. That's that's what I do so, now. So it's one thing to, and I do that too, by the way. And uh, it's one thing to do that and being nice and making an impact, but you also got to pay the bills. So how do you set it up where you're involved as well and you benefit from the connections? So we've got this community called Tribe for Leaders. Uh, we're really intentional about who we invite into that because, especially the way we structure it, because there, there is an annual membership fee involved, but we also do a revenue share with each member. And okay. so, so that when they win, we win too. And what I will tell you that after uh, running this group for three years now, uh, with the right people, it works brilliantly. With the wrong people, it doesn't work at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. Of course, with the right people, it's self-governing. You don't have, you never chase money. You, they, people are, they compensate you because they just appreciate you. And so we've we've figured that out uh, over the last three years, and uh, and so that's that's how we do that now too. And how many members do you have right now? Roughly Th- right now, Th- thirty-nine members, and these are from all over the country. All over the country, and uh, we got members in Canada. We've even got one from overseas. Okay, and so what's the vision for this at the end of the day? Like, what do you? What is your vision um, of thought leaders or the? So we leaders? just had our first million dollar win in the group four months ago, 
uh, where, where one member added an additional million dollars of revenue to their business in 30 days. That really opened my mind and my vision for what's possible. What it's kind of business was it? What's that? What kind of business was it? They have a they they have a dance school, and then they also serve over three hundred other dance school owners from across the country and around the world. Too. Awesome, awesome. And so uh, she added a, a million dollars of revenue in one month, which, like I said, it it changed it it really amplified the vision for me because yeah. quite honestly, I'm gonna tell you, Mike, I wasn't thinking that big when we started. Yeah, and uh, it's changed the whole conversation in the community. Yeah. Uh, and even when she had that win, she was like, Kevin, she goes, yes, the revenue is great because that's going to allow us to grow the business, allow us to do the philanthropic work we do. But what really excites me most is the impact we're going to have on all those people who said yes to us. So, what, yeah, that's huge. What, what, what was the key to that, to that growth, though? Like, what was the, the, so the what catalyst? They did, is uh, they, one of the other members were, were like, hey, what if you did this? We were on a call one time and they were like, what if you did this and restructured your offer? And so they would do, they would normally do this annual offer and their members would sign an annual agreement. Well, they restructured it and did a three-year program instead of a one-year program. So now, and they gave them a, they gave them an incentive for doing that, bonuses and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So now it was more money up front, pulling money forward, yeah. a longer term, and now they've got recurring revenue for three years instead of just the one year thing that they used to do. Yep, yep, uh, love it, love it, man. Look, I could go on and talk to you all day, Kevin, but I respect your time, and I want to just first of all make sure that people know how to get in touch with you, and if they're interested in joining this phenomenal tribe for leaders, how do they go about doing that? Yeah, anybody that uh, might be feel that they're a right fit for that, they can just go to tribeforleaders.com and and see if they qualify. And you know, if, if they can kind of size us up too and make sure we're even a right fit for them. Uh, as far as getting a hold of me, email is Kevin at tribeforleaders.com or I'm really easy to get a hold of on, on Facebook, Kevin the Connector on Facebook. Love it, man. Love it. So do you do anything outside of Tribe for Leaders as far as connecting entrepreneurs and all that? And then still maybe like Working out situations so, where you get a, like a piece of equity or or upside I or do, I mean a little bit more. I mean, I I'm obviously going to be working with people outside of the group because depending on what people in the group need, it might require that I reach outside of the group. And uh, but I'm really intentional about who I make connections for in the first place, and because I got to know them, I got to know how they show up and all of that kind of stuff because. Yep. It, you know, this is really my reputation on the line too. Yeah. When I'm doing this kind of stuff. Yeah. So I don't take it lightly. I'm really intentional about this stuff. So love it. I love Mike, it. I'm sure you are too. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's fun doing it. It's fun seeing people win and causing, I call it, you know, cause my coach has really, really worked with us on this causing and creating futures for people, yes. you know, and it creates an attraction model and it's, it's a very attractive thing when you can do that. I'm not a guy that likes to chase people. I've done that for years in sales and follow up and all that. And, you know, I just, I don't like doing that anymore. And it's my life. And if I don't want to do that, I got to figure out a different way because I still need to get after it. So I figured out, let's create an attraction model <laughs> and then have people come and chasing me. And uh, man, it's a, it's, a, it's a different way to think. It takes time to build that up, building a brand and, and you know, but, but causing and creating futures for people is very attractive. So I love what you're doing, Kevin. Keep it up. If there's anything I could ever do to help you out, let me know. I just want to thank you for coming on today's show. Well, my pleasure. You are so welcome, Mike.
Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, audience, for being here. Thank you for the support that you've given me, my movement, the companies that I work with. I just appreciate you being here and listening and, and allowing us to pour into you. Keep coming back. Go subscribe on your favorite podcast platform if you haven't already. Also, YouTube. If you like to watch these, you can go to my YouTube channel, Mike C. Rock Scirocco. And finally, go to blueprinted.com to check out our new tech platform, B-L-O-O, printed.com, and check out the marketplace for step-by-step guides in all different categories, blueprinted.com, B-L-O-O-P-R-I-N-T-E-D, blueprinted.com. Until next time, be unstoppable. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? Be sure to check my website out at themikecrock.com, themikecrock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode. I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at my website, MikeCrock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCrock.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. Thank you so much for your support and your listenership. It means the world to me.